Hello, and welcome to the Aster Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Aster Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Nick Porter. Nick, hello. Hi, John. As promised, we are just going to focus on the big news this week, which is the Federal Reserve meeting, which happened yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday, September 22nd. The market thought that was pretty bearish, right, Nick? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think everyone's right on the nose, expecting 75 basis points for the hike. But some of the comments around the FMC, the statement of economic projections, all definitely signaled that the Fed was bearish and sort of sticking to their guns of higher rates for longer. I think that's right. And I think, if I recall correctly, we did mention on the uh, podcast last week that people wanted to pay extra close attention to the SEP this time. So... Always listen to the Astro podcast, I think, is the main takeaway for today. Other than that, what about the Fed? Powell is sort of pounding the table saying there's a recession coming. Yeah, and I think importantly, he's saying that there's a recession coming because the Fed is willing to see negative real economic growth and a weaker labor market, which I think is a really important point, as a result of their actions and really as a necessity to bring inflation back towards target. And that even if there were a recession, they're going to stick to their guns, they're going to keep rates high, they're not going to waver until inflation is back down. Yeah, and Powell's questioned pretty closely about this, and obviously he had some prepared answers for it. I say one of though, so sort of like on part one, we have to get inflation behind us. I wish there was a painless way to do that, but there isn't. But that was in response, if I recall correctly, to a question about is there going to be higher unemployment? next year, which of course the Fed is projecting now, right? Fed has been projecting a small increase in unemployment. They're projecting a somewhat larger increase in unemployment next year. The housing market might have to go through a correction. That correction is probably already happening. And just to put sort of a fine point on it, like we need to have softer labor market conditions is something that the chairman of the FOMC said yesterday. And no one knows if we'll get a recession or if so, how deep it will be. And so you talk a little bit about what's going to allow them to change course on tightening. He hedged a lot about it. But what do you think that the Fed is looking at to take its finger off the trigger? They've been drawing, Fed speakers recently have been drawing a lot of parallels to the 70s, which is probably appropriate, and really talking about some of the lessons that were learned throughout that period and other periods of history. And I think the main takeaway that they've garnered is it does not pay to prematurely ease financial conditions when inflation might seem like it's going down and the economy is going through a rocky path. Because previously, the Fed has lowered rates or has paused at least and seen inflation spike back up. So I think they're willing, just as they were on the downside, they're sort of willing on the upside to keep where they are, even if we go through some sort of economic correction or dip well below potential. I think that's right. I think the Fed has said, when are they going to stop hiking? They want to see softness in the labor market, like kind of full stop. And they want to see slowing growth. They see selling slowing growth, so check. But they want to see softness in the labor market. And that doesn't have to be unemployment going up, but it would have to be like the quits rate going down or the ratio of job openings to job seekers going down. And I got to say, like, with a lot of their stuff this year, I feel like they're sort of backing into what they want to do, right? They sort of like decide what they want to do and they come up with an economic rationale for it afterwards in terms of like, oh, we were, and this is my critique of them. For the first time in history, looking at the University of Michigan inflation <laughs> expectations, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so now they're like, oh no, it's the quits rate. It's the quits rate. It's not even if unemployment, it's a job market is much more restrictive than you think. Right. Yeah. I mean, all great American institutions start with their decision and then backfill. The Supreme Court um, <laughs> makes up their decisions and then backfills a legal reason behind it. But I think, yeah, to your point that the Fed is now saying, well, you know, of course, unemployment is important. They previously seen their 2023 estimate on the upper bound for unemployment was 4.5, and now it's 5%. But Chair Powell also has been talking a lot about vacancies and applications yeah. and things like that. And wage growth also. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that the actual pace of tightening is extreme, right? Like this is the fastest we've gone from the first rate hike to 3% since the 70s and by a lot, right? Like the last one that was close was in 1994, where it took us a year to get to a 3% rise in rates. I mean, the rates did start higher then, to be fair, but now it just took us six or seven months to get 300 basis point increase in rates. And where we are now is that, according to the chair, we're just at the level that is barely restrictive. He also said that we need to get to places meaningfully restrictive and stay there a while. So that means 100 or 150 more basis points sort of this year, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we talk a lot about sort of the disparity or discrepancies between what the Fed says it's going to do and what the market believes is going to happen. 2023 is sort of anyone's guess, you know, we could see inflation fall, we could see unemployment rise, we can see the Fed cut. But right now, that's not what they're saying. They're very explicitly not what they're going to do, right? They see the Fed funds rate somewhere between 4.4 and 4.9% in 2023. The market, last I looked, was still factory and some cuts in 2023. The yep. Fed just does not want to budge on that issue. And I think that's a little bit of forward guidance of this might not actually be what actually is going to happen, but we're signaling that we're going to be higher for longer and we're willing to have some economic pain along the way. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think the fundamental thing they need to see, the thing they're really waiting for is core PCE going down and going down and probably going to keep going down, right? So if you look at the three-month rate of core PCE growth, it's 4.8% over the last three months, 4.5% over the last six months, 4.8% over the last 12 months. They want that number to be two. That's the number they target. They don't target CPI. It's a little bit different, but that's the number they want going down, not going up before they're going to even pause, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There is sort of this question of what is the terminal rate? What is the, a rate that is going to be ultimately restrictive to the economy? That's anyone's guess, but it's certainly higher than it is here. I think the path forward is probably another 75 basis points at the next meeting. And then some sort of slowing to 50 or 25 basis points. But we do have a few CPI and PCE prints between now and then. So it'll be interesting to see how things develop. Right. And so if you're playing along at home, it's worth going to the Fed's website and taking a look at the Fed's projection material. It's not always interesting. Now it definitely is. And one thing that I want to point out, we talked about the path of interest rates going forward. So the question that they're trying to ask is, where do you think Fed funds will be under appropriate monetary policy? And so they think at the end of the year, it's going to be about 4.5. At the end of 23, they think it's going to be about 4.75, not a huge increase. And then they do see rates going down in 2024, 
but there's a much, much higher dispersion there than we normally see in terms of the individual predictions, right? Next year is pretty tight, and you know, a 75 basis point range for first approximation. And this one is kind of all over the map from two and a half all the way up to five. So it's worth thinking about that the Fed doesn't know that what they're going to do either, right? And like in their projection, they're seeing sort of a permanent loss of real GDP. Real GDP this year is supposed to be 160 basis points below sustainable next year, you know, 100, the year after that, a little bit. So like they're saying that reasonably, like we're going to give up a 3% of real GDP to get inflation under control. And that might be making some of them uncomfortable. Yeah, there was some speculation that this most recent meeting, we would see some sessions, people maybe voting no for 75 basis points, maybe saying that they wanted 50, but it was unanimous. And I think that's sort of another hawkish signal that the people who were dubs previously on the FOMC, the voting members, you know, sort of been brought along on this ride. I think that's right. I think that's right. And the, you know, the Fed, of course, does value unanimity more than other central banks. And the culture is for people to allow themselves to be swayed somewhat by the chair, like not always, obviously, but that's sort of the culture that they want. They value unanimity more than they do at, say, the Bank of England, which always has dissenters. Nobody really cares. Right. right. Voice your concerns during the meeting and then go along with the chair for the vote, I think, is the general approach. Yeah, the chair is, I think the chair more like tries to find a consensus that everyone can, pretty much everyone can sign on to rather than just like strict majority rules. I think we'll leave it there, Nick. We will be back in two weeks for the payroll report. If anything dramatic happens in the meantime, we'll, we'll release an emergency podcast. And in the meantime, you can check out our economic thoughts on the Aster website, Aster.im, that's asterinvestmentmanagement.com. You can download the Aster Research app, or you can reach out to your Aster sales rep. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, John. To learn more about Aster Investment Management's research and strategies, please visit us on the web at www.asteriam.com or stay up to date by following us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and our app is also available on the App Store and Google Play. Thank you. Aster Investment Management, LLC, is a SEC-registered investment advisor. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investing purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change. They are not intended as investment recommendations.